Welcome to Urban Homestead Radio, preserving a homegrown way of life and inspiring others to bring the revolution home. Thanks to the support of our sponsor, Lehman's. For over 60 years, they've provided practical, non-electrical tools, appliances, and home goods. When technology fails, the products will certainly work. Check out their website at lehmans.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. Hi, everyone. Today, we um, have the pleasure of interviewing some fellow LA farmers, Eric and Allie. They're from Avenue 33 Farms, who are just what, a couple miles from us in Lincoln Heights. And they had ju- they have just started their farm, well, how many years ago? Uh, like one and a half years ago. One and a half, so you're newbie farmers. And so we want to um, talk to you about farming and farming in LA and, and all that good farming stuff. So first off, I have to say, to even say LA farmers, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, you're like rare, you know, like, you know, sightings of a, of a rare extinct animal or whatever. So. That's, it's pretty cool to even say that. Um, and I would I'd like to ask you how you decided to start this farm and, and how it came about. So maybe backgrounds on you two and then uh, kind of segue into how you guys started the farm. Yeah, we're so excited to be here with Urban Homestead, who's like, we actually, I saw Urban Homestead on in a video when I was in college. And so then to like be closely working with Urban Homestead now is super exciting. Um, but yeah, so in college, I got super interested in growing food and kind of the food system as a whole, and then started volunteering and learning to grow food and just got hooked on it and was eating really well because the more you know farmers, the better you eat. And for a college kid, that was super exciting. <laughs> so important. For me. important <laughs> exactly. And so that was like a great part of kind of the later years in college where me and Eric both went in Colorado. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, and similar, like around that time, uh, I started working for a farm, um, and so just growing food. It was for a restaurant, so also learning how to cook, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, yeah, growing my appreciation of vegetables and all the things you can do with them. Um, and like Allie was saying, like at that time, you know, had a pretty standard like college diet, so it was like mm-hmm. very exciting um, to eat. You know, fresh produce tasted good, and kind of like unearthing this whole um, thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's amazing. And so, and then um, you came to LA, and yeah. then, like, I, how did I you say, let's got, farm? Yeah, <laughs> we, like, got interested in farming and worked at a few farms uh-huh. in Colorado and then moved yeah. to Portland, Oregon, where Eric and I helped start a small-scale farm in Oregon, mm-hmm. and that was, like, a ton of learning, and so then that really solidified our knowledge of like growing food and produce and running a small scale farm, which we did kind of um, in a cooperative setting. With, so how many years for that? Uh, we, it was called Four Door Farm and we did that for five years. Oh, well, that's, so that that's pretty, like, that's good because yeah. like you see the whole, <laughs> yeah. and I think that, you know, when people are just there for a week or two, I, I don't think they really appreciate like the scope of what entails to be a farm and and, yeah. and and the ups and downs and the seasonal stuff and and for yeah. the duration too it's yeah. it's yeah it takes years like growing food even just growing one crop like the shortest crop would be radishes at like 30 days so it, in right. theory you really need to like put in years to gain a certain amount of experience and knowledge and then coming to LA it was always like since we started that farm, we were like, we want a tiny farm, like a tiny house with a lot of land, and we never thought it would be in Los Angeles, came here for my work, and yeah. then 
just always thought like if we could just get a tiny house with a lot of land we can really have a cool yeah like great uh, so you place. did get a house and land. So how big is the place? Your Avenue Thirty Three farm. So the the with the house, it's like one point two acres. So that's the, pretty. In LA, when you say one point two, we're just I mean, like, oh my right, gosh, you right, know, right. it's like. How I mean, did you and do I that? think you know, it is. Uh, it's a hillside, mm -hmm. so it's um, you know, our house is kind of like a flattish piece, and then there's an acre behind it that's that's hillside, and I think it is kind of surprising to people. Um, how steep it actually is like when they come you know mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll, we'll do tours and stuff mm -hmm. and um, so yeah. how are you dealing with this let's say let's, okay, how are you dealing with the steepness of it because it is <laughs> LA yeah. is hilly and if yeah. you do want land it right. is in nestled right. in like Lincoln well, Heights and all that like, stuff like so. for us like that was we focused in on the hillsides mm -hmm. because it was like that's the only way we're going to be able to afford it exactly you know, like yeah. there's um, no yeah. way we could get a flat piece of land. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, it's right outside of downtown. Like you can see downtown mm -hmm. from. It's, true. it's yeah. really and, yeah. And I was talking to somebody that they actually. I mean, it, back in the days, like it was, it was like corn, corn on the hillsides, goats mm. in the hillsides. So it's very, yeah. it's not that far, you know, fetched that it, this was the norm about you know forty years ago. Right. They said yeah. they you know as kids they remember. Yeah. people growing corn on the hillsides and yeah goats definitely roaming. a ton of people with chickens mm -hmm. even now and know. like fruit trees all yeah. over the hillsides as well uh -huh. yeah. they grow well so the way that we deal with it is we um, plant along a contour line and have mapped out kind of the contours of the hillside and do a lot of different um, like land management practices that try to retain the soil where it is and so that kind of helps shape how we've structured the farm yeah yeah like if you come you know and look at the hillside um, like every kind of different sections are oriented in different directions kind of working with kind of our natural landscape so that we don't uh, yeah, lose a lot of that soil that we're building and then also like our soil practices right are aimed at um, always having you know plants in the ground so they're always going to anchor the soil and then also you know our soil practices are allowing the soil to take a lot more moisture and absorb it much more quickly so mm -hmm. even during those rains um, when we do have kind of like empty beds um, they're just out there like sponges you know yeah so to, speaking of soil and and and, and uh, methods is there a method that you know you read is it biointensive is it pro you know so what sort of i know eclectic well, yeah. we could call us eclectic <laughs> but was something that yeah. it's um oh yeah this this person or this book really inspired me and we're really doing these sort of their their methods or or yeah kind of we've definitely like been studying a lot of different practices mm -hmm. throughout the year like organic and permaculture and biodynamic and right now, kind of the newer phase seems to be regenerative agriculture. Yes. Uh -huh. um, and so we wouldn't say we're, we're strictly adhered to like a biodynamic yeah. system, but mm -hmm. we use a lot of those practices. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say the closest we get to adhering to something is regenerative. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. That's yeah. a... That's, I mean, it's such a broad term. It is a broad term, <laughs> yeah. but it is about taking care of everything. And, and yeah. us too, we're collected too. It's... it's whatever and then like I said it's almost sometimes it's almost like and site specific exactly. too. yeah so, right like certain how things that. yeah like certain things we want to make sure to incorporate also because we're on a hillside Eric and I have done research into like 
other communities that do hillside farming, like in Peru and Italy and places where it's traditional that you would farm on a hillside. So there's like um, agroforestry, which is a way of anchoring the hillside using perennials and trees. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how we're starting to figure out um, what would work best yeah. in our situation, which is incorporating a lot of like trees and perennials in order to create um, like land stabilizing mm -hmm. yeah. masses in our. And I think for us, a big part of our soil management is definitely um, like soil testing and balancing mm -hmm. micronutrients. Like we're pretty focused on um, yeah soil tests and fine tuning like micronutrients. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, and then, um, what were some of, the, I'm going to say, like, because I know farming is like, there's the good, the bad, the ugly, so what were some <laughs> of the, we just like, we're all, it's not all, you know, skipping through tulips and, and picking, you know, apples from the tree, so what were some of the challenges uh, that you faced, um, and like I said, besides the hillside and terracing, and some things that you didn't expect, like, yeah. maybe we can talk a little bit about that. I guess my expectations of farming in Los Angeles were that, uh, we would get soil that needs a ton of remediation. And something I didn't expect was we found a piece of land that was a vacant hillside that had never been developed. And so the soil was actually pretty good. Wow. Which was like an insane benefit <laughs> yeah. to us and right. really unexpected and also makes me rethink the way we look at hillsides in our cities is mm -hmm. that if they haven't been developed in a lot of cases, the soil can actually be quite good and have a lot of yeah like I mean if you think about those hillsides it's just grass growing getting cut down mm -hmm. grass growing getting cut down so it's not like uh, yeah there's no not pollutants. it's not in the middle of the industry where it's like right. industrial they're high, it's a little higher so Instead, no you know, yeah right and we know you know in, in soil like when things are growing in soil it's good for it and it's helped building structure and building topsoil by kind of always cutting down and it's essentially mulching that hillside um, every year um, so it was actually like like good you know uh, good soil and, and it really allowed us to kind of hit the ground running rather than having you know, to build the soil right. first yeah yeah or like focus on like a sunflower mushroom remediation <laughs> of soil right, that's right, like right. toxic so that's like right. been the kind of pleasant surprise right. really we were able to like immediately grow produce that we were like relatively happy with mm -hmm. you know yeah. Um, I mean, we're much happier with the produce now, but mm -hmm. at least we were like able to start right away. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Some of the challenges I think about growing specifically in Los Angeles is the heat mm -hmm. and having the summer be the off season is actually a big shift for my mind because I like learned about farming in Oregon, which is kind of the polar opposite. It's like a little cold and very rainy. And so water was always the issue that it was too much in Oregon. And so to kind of shift my head into, we're not worried about mold and flooding as much as just drying out and like getting um, sunbaked. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's been the biggest struggle in finding information that's Los Angeles specific because every seed packet you read is for a four seasons climate. Yeah. And so kind of learning the season has been for me at least like the yeah. the biggest yeah. challenge. I, I mean, what would you say LA is like a two season ish? I mean, it's kind of so <laughs> yeah. mild. It's sort of just yeah. like blends. It's like right. cold and then warm. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's just like hot. <laughs> 
and then like the rest of the year. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think we, yeah, it's like a tomato season and then a leafy green season. Pretty much. Yeah. And then you can have a late <laughs> tomato season and it's yeah. just kind of weird. And yeah. it's mostly now, I don't know, because we've been doing it, we've been here 30 years, so we right. noticed in the last 10 years the spikes. We called it weather whiplash. Before we just like, we knew the seasons ish. It was like, okay, we kind of, you know, fall, winter, summer, I mean, spring, summer. Now it's like, it could be 100 one day and week and then yeah. drop to 60 the next. And we're just like, whoa, right. you know, and this, this up and down yeah. weather whiplash, we call it. It's right. more, more prevalent now than I believe yeah. when yeah. I remember when I was growing up. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and like right now, this season, that can be, I mean, during the summer, I guess we're kind of ready for it. But like during this season, you know, you have like broccoli in the ground and then suddenly you're like, oh, it's going to be like 70 mm-hmm. all week. And, you're like, oh. and we're into <laughs> January. I know we're, I could go, yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, in a, in a, you know, I mean, it's cold in here, but you go outside and you're like, okay, bare feet, you know, yeah. it's January. It's yeah, so the, bizarre. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. But, but we, I found yeah. like the season in Los Angeles, the winter season growing has been such a pleasant surprise because it is a little wetter and you can grow like everything you would grow mm-hmm. in a Oregon mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. So that's like very exciting. Yeah. And I would say the, the only kind of like catch 22 about, um, the fact that it's like you can grow year-round here is you know in Oregon and in Colorado you had the winter to like get everything in line like do all your planning um whereas here we're just constantly every no, day it's we're three, farming, it, yeah it's, you know? it's it's there's no downtime for right. farmers uh hi, you know hibernation time or just so it feels like we're always growing right. and there's no like right. break there's no yeah there's no week where we're not harvesting planting you know delivering um, yeah yeah which I think if you're you know like if if we hadn't had some previous experience would have been really difficult because like we, we, we haven't had any maybe even now like we're like we don't have any time to like step back and do some of that larger planning and like analysis even mm-hmm. just of like how did that season go how did you know it, it's a lot more continuous which is um, difficult as we work both yeah, of us work no, I, hear time, so. I hear you. I hear you because it's it's like nonstop, and then you you realize, wow, whew, that was just a year just went <laughs> that went by, and it's yeah. like, whew, right. yeah, take right. a break. What's that? You know, yeah, it's right. like not. They just said like L.A. It's 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 amazing. It's like the climate is so amazing that you can grow all year round. And then that's the thing is you can grow all year round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so what are the some of the things you're growing now? So it is like you said, winter time. Uh, we're in Jan- in January. Uh, here in in Los Angeles, what are some of the things you're growing? Um, right now, uh, we have like yeah, a ton of kind of salad mix stuff mm-hmm. um, of various times, some lettuce, some other things, um, but all kind of around a salad mix. Uh, and then we always, which we always have year round, mm-hmm. even in the summer. You know, we use a lot of shade for for that stuff. Um, and then we also are growing radish, beets, turnips, carrots. Um, and then we have kind of like, we sell to um, some restaurants for like garnish and stuff. So we do a lot of like little edible flowers and kind of odd herbs and. Um, and then Sounds we like us, no. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, I <laughs> mean, same, same here. well, it's yeah. you know, on this scale, it's like you kind of gotta be diverse and try to just get in anywhere. Exactly. You know? So speaking of <laughs> yeah, so speaking of diverse, 
for our listeners, we um, buy from you guys for our multi-farm CSA. And it's really been, I think, helping each other out like a cooperative has been very vital in sense because I just read an article that, uh, there was an article that came out recently of how like if the, the like farmers and farmers markets it's just like isolated and then one guy was like if we just formed a cooperative and I was like well that's kind of what we're doing with our farm box program yeah. we're reaching out to you and another farm and another farm and just like pulling where you know if we get kale from our yard one week but then the next week we get it from you and, and stuff like that and I think that network or that helping each other that um, thing is really vital in keeping you know the the you know us growing and you growing yeah. um, what would you say about that yeah I mean that was like on the on the car ride over here we were talking about one of the things that we wanted to talk about is just the, how helpful like that's been especially for us starting up because right one of the nice things about that relationship is right we're on a small scale and so it helps us kind of like uh, stay even you Mm -hmm. know it's like some weeks you have more lettuce some weeks we have more lettuce and it can kind of like work in that way to kind of um, smooth out like the peaks and valleys of Mm -hmm. producing on a small scale because it's like I don't have a huge field of carrots that I can just harvest all yeah. And sometimes, um, what do you think that sometimes it does it like the farm box program a little bit better than maybe restaurants because the restaurants expect it all the time. I mean, I've I've, I've had that before when yeah. I was like twenty years ago when we went to restaurants. They were like, "What? You don't have this now?" We're like, "No." Right. Um, right. It's definitely that's like the biggest part of learning to work with specific mm-hmm. people when, especially you're like starting out mm-hmm. growing food, um, is figuring out what partners are the right fit. And mm-hmm. I think like for our situation, because we both have full-time jobs, having someone like the Urban Homestead who has like flexibility and they're like always accepting of all the produce we have, but understanding if there's a week or two that we don't have that. And um, right. we partner with restaurants that are in that same boat mm-hmm. that understand our situation and are super flexible and understand we always send them availability list and then they'll say this is what we want this week Mm -hmm. and I think certain restaurants are moving more toward like a seasonal week by week menu Mm -hmm. which for us is extremely helpful and allows us to give a restaurant not just you know like 50 bunches of carrots every week Mm -hmm. but with the season change what they're ordering and even week to week change Mm -hmm. based on you know, if it was really rainy and garnish right. isn't as pretty as it was. Yeah, so speaking of that, I think um, sometimes, like I said, the challenge, you know, there's one challenge farming and the weather mm-hmm. and everything and dealing with that. But I also feel like the, the, the selling the produce, because one thing is like growing it and then you love growing it, but then it's like, oh, sometimes you have a lot of this or don't know. Tell me a little bit about like, do you find that like the selling aspect is a little bit more, is it challenging or not what you expect or um, does it, you know, like to I, talk a little bit more about that. I think we're in a good scenario because Eric is has worked in a lot of restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of friends, friends that are in yeah. restaurants. Yeah. We're just starting a, a, to plant a ton of cut flowers. And so we're kind of starting to break into like um, getting to know florists. And that pattern and season is very different than vegetable produce. And so I think that we're like learning how that market works but I think in terms of like the vegetable selling um, yeah like my my kind of because because I've always been cooking while we've lived in LA it definitely helps but it's I mean it is tough and I think that that's like in in terms of like a new farmer Mm -hmm. you know um, 
it's really, I mean, to find, right, I think it's like an old farming proverb, maybe, or maybe just a proverb mm-hmm. in general, but like the only thing you never have enough of is time, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. like, I think we would have really, and that's like why Urban Homestead and your, your farm box program has been so helpful is like, because you could take a lot of different things and if we were, didn't have something that week, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Like we would have not, I don't think we would have had as, as much time to sell the amount of produce that we have mm-hmm. sold this past year if we didn't have like the farm box and then also like my relationship with restaurants mm-hmm. like we because we both work full-time and mm-hmm. we're farming like we wouldn't have had enough time to sell all of that and also like being diverse because we sell to a csa that's kind of a weekly at least we know every week you might want something mm-hmm. and then having we have friends that have a catering business mm-hmm. where sometimes we'll have a huge crop of something mm-hmm. and they can use it in their catering yeah. business yeah. let's say i have a huge event coming up on new year's do you, what do you have that i yeah. can take i love those of? type of clients <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. and so speaking of diversity i think do you think for like small farmers that's important do you think yeah. i mean because like you said now you're going to cut flowers i think to have that sort of well this is not we have yeah. this and we have this and we have all these things to pull from so it's right. sort of i mean like cut flowers you know so we're, we're selling to some restaurants right and and we're selling this kind of like pricey garnishy stuff mm-hmm. um, then most of those restaurants also have like flowers mm-hmm. in the restaurant um, and so we were kind of like looking at the land and looking at our schedule and and that kind of fit in as like a okay we don't necessarily want more accounts like I don't want to sell more carrots um, but if we already have an account that I'm selling carrots yeah, that makes sense. I need to bring in bees I, and butterflies too. Yeah, so. tag, yeah. can I tag on, you know, uh, $30 in flowers to each restaurant account, then I don't have to drive around more. That makes sense. I can just yeah. it's also, maximize that right. delivery. Yeah. yeah. It's also like on a different timeline. So like radishes or carrots or lettuce, they have like, you can do heavy production always um, producing and flowers have just like a they're in the ground a long time mm-hmm. which takes down like the amount of labor mm-hmm. and because they're in the ground a long time and they just have a different flow like you don't have to wash flowers you yeah. have to arrange mm-hmm. them and so that whole process is a, a different process which is helpful instead of just ramping up the same timeline uh-huh. um, it allows us to be a little more diverse in terms of uh, like the time frame of activities. Yeah, that's on smart. The farm. That's, yeah. Really, wait, that's smart. And also, like on a small scale, if you're in a city, mm-hmm. I, I especially in Los Angeles, there's such great farmers nearby, mm-hmm. and we will never compete with no. them on the scale. Nor do we want to. Mm-hmm. Nor do we think that no. that's what our farm <laughs> is going to be good at. And right. so, what we can be good at is things that. Um, don't travel well mm-hmm. and like especially certain flowers it's hard to get them shipped mm-hmm. and um, certain things that are delicate and that's like our benefit is it's the freshest produce you ever yeah. have because yeah. it comes right from the In city. Their backyard yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the flowers will last way longer because they've never had to go anywhere yeah um, and so anytime you handle any kind of produce or flowers or things that you're growing the, yeah. the lifespan of that will decrease. Yeah, and I think that's a selling point too. That people sometimes like, oh, you know, you're a little higher, whatever. I say that, but that's a, this is the selling point. It's fresh. It lasts longer. Right. You know, if you got our stuff in our salad mix, it's gonna you're not gonna have any waste mm-hmm. right. and stuff like that. So the the freshness is what. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we what can you, yeah. pick things that are ripe, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of times you can pick fruit that's more ripe and you can pick things that were intended to be picked at the time exactly. that they... Right. They, yeah. No, that's special, and I could think. And then there was now more of that people wanting that, you know, art, that artisan or that, you know, the homegrown and and because like I said, farming, you know, the farms are disappearing, and and it's great to have like a network of you know farms in LA that actually are trying to preserve the, um, you know, farming is you know you see Pasadena Orange Grove they had grows, right. you know, you look at the history. There's ranch land, farmland. You know, Oster's Farm in South Pass and the, and the orchards in like Leakin Heights and things like that. So it's good to see all that coming back again. Um, and so the future of farming, because, you know, we are in a, like a critical, I guess, point in history. So, um, you know, I went to Eco Farm a couple years ago and they were saying that the, the in, they had a guest speaker who said the frost line because of the climate change is, is moving north. And so some of the, the chill, especially with the fruits, uh, they're now growing uh, avocados in the Central Valley, which never heard of before. So everything's sort of moving north on that sort of thing. And, and uh, you know, the future of farming, it's been, like I said, in the last 30 years, it's been a struggle for us because uh, we noticed the weather changing, pattern changing, and the, and the, the you know, the weather whiplash and, and stuff like that. Um, what do you, what is your, um, you know, thing uh, on the future of farming? Because like I said, farms in general are, are dying uh, small farms you know and people staying because I, I had friends that uh, had an orchard down in uh, like Fallbrook and they were just like the water um, it wasn't worth it with the drought and they just plowed under their their avocados and stuff and so that's you know for me it's sad because you'll never get that again so what do you think of um, you know the future of farming and 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 what do you see yourself maybe in 10 20 years oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean the the wonderful part of our our food system right now is that it feeds a lot of people mm-hmm. and that there's a certain amount of stability that we've had in society and that not everybody has to grow their own produce yeah. which i think is a great thing it is because um, we need, it takes a village right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and now being able to like reconnect with growing on a small scale and hopefully help other people that want to grow on a small scale will um, kind of like allow people to understand how you can grow a little bit of your own produce mm-hmm. is kind of like what we want to help people yeah. learn. And, and also learn about like, right, like a lot of our soil practices and like how we cultivate the land is with the mindset mm-hmm. of like we're trying to do the best practices for the fact that like water's mm-hmm. maybe more scarce, there's gonna be these fluctuations in temperatures. So like we're, you know, actively working to kind of create our farm so that it can handle mm-hmm. at least like those smaller ones. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I can't say what's gonna be in the future. No, there might know, be yeah. more drastic uh-huh. um, things that we can't mitigate, but like, you know, we do no-till like we're really focused on like fungally dominant soil and all of and then we do a lot of um, like foliar sprays all of those things kind of geared towards mitigating like our heat changes mm-hmm. those spikes mm-hmm. and then also um, like drought tolerance yeah. in our crops do you think small farms have an advantage to that because we're small enough to sort of like kind of <laughs> shift yeah. you know and then you know like right. thousand acres like oh boy whew, you know thousand. Right. but here oh maybe just 
couple beds, garden beds. Yeah, yeah. and we're able to like plant two avocado trees and see how they do and mm-hmm. adapt to kind of the, the market as well of what people want because that changes. Like mm-hmm. people don't really want red delicious apples anymore. <laughs> they want Gala yeah. Fuji. So um, being really nimble as a small right. farm is a huge benefit and also um, as I think to the future of food, I hope that it's something that remains in the knowledge base of society mm-hmm. and that people do know how to grow a little bit of food, um, just like they did in the 50s, mm-hmm. like a lot of people had a mm-hmm. home garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that that uh, starts to become, again, a very popular thing, is to have like a small home garden. Yeah, everybody can grow something. Yeah. So if, like I said, it's healthy, just one thing. And yeah. then support Even people that who are, you know, mm-hmm. through, yeah. you know, farmers markets and whatever, and support people who are doing that. Yeah. Um, and what would you say to people who would want to start like an urban farm? They're just like, oh, you know, I, I always tell them like, don't quit your day job. <laughs> yeah, that's a good <laughs> number one. Yeah. But it's like, what would you say to newbies like, you know, who want to who want to do like you guys are doing, and and uh, what tips and advice would you have for them? Yeah, I think. Uh, starting to grow anything and getting experience growing even if it is just herbs on your windowsill is hugely helpful (laughs) in the long run and just getting used to um, kind of paying attention to plants and learning their patterns and learning what they're trying to tell you in terms of if they need water or sunlight or nutrients um, and just getting used to growing a lot of things is helpful yeah and then I think definitely like seeking out experience you know like I don't know many or any really like people who just were like oh I'm gonna start a farm and then kind of didn't have like didn't have previous experience hands-on experience yeah Yeah, I mean it's just invaluable and it is like tricky you know yeah because you could only learn through so many things through books yeah, yeah because well, and every space is different, mm-hmm. you know, like your every piece of land is different and has these kind of like, right, so if you don't have some previous experience to rely on, um, it can be really tricky. And it is like, if you're like, okay, I'm going to start a small farm, like, right, like, and, and you have this experience as well. I know talking to, to you all, like, you're the person selling it, you're the person growing it, you're the person running the social media account, like, there isn't, it's not like a get rich quick scheme, mm-hmm. no. right? Um, so like you, you don't wear have many hats. Money, yeah. yeah, and you don't have money to like necessarily pay people to do those things. So it's like definitely get the experience because it's it's it can be really overwhelming. Like even when we were in Oregon, like I was taking you know like farm business classes, um, just to learn how to better do the books and Mm -hmm. and evaluate whether crops are profitable yeah you know and it's like even taking those types of classes are super valuable too like don't forget that it's a business if you want to do it yeah it's not like you're growing it's like a garden backyard garden it's like just for my family who cares i mean not who cares but you know oh well you know here it's like oh people depend on me and i'm accountable for things like that so it's different Right, and it's not a ton of space. Like, if you lose exactly. a couple beds, it's, like, a big like deal. If, yeah. Yeah, if you have some crop failure, it's, like, okay, like, I only have, like, that's, the even if it's failure. a small, right, like, even if it's a small amount, it's, like, 10% of the yeah. farm, right, what's planted in the ground yeah. right now. Yeah. And so Also, that's, like, 
good for uh, like any small scale farm specifically for like a uh, urban farm i think just like keeping in mind the resources that you do have within a city mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. understanding the context of which like if you're in los angeles or new york or chicago or minneapolis or like depending on your situation cities will have different resources so like los angeles has a lot of vacant hillsides new york has a lot of rooftops and just keeping in mind um trying to evaluate the context in which you live and try to like reimagine the the resources that are there innately Mm -hmm. um you have to be pretty creative to figure out yeah. an yeah. urban farm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And so... Um, and you have to evolve yourself. You have to, you can't be rigid and you can't say, okay, well, this is, and, and, you know, because yeah. it's always evolving, always changing. Like, you never imagine uh, the urban homestead on, like, a basic lot mm-hmm. in Los Angeles could grow as much food as it does, and mm-hmm. it grows mm-hmm. amazing produce, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So just keeping in mind, like, yeah. even a... A driveway can be yeah <laughs> productive driveway, space yeah. You know? I, right. so yeah. yeah thank you so much for coming we really enjoyed having you coming to the end of our podcast um how can people find more about your farm i mean i know you said uh, you sell a couple of restaurants but anywhere in the los angeles times congratulations on that um is there a way they can follow you on uh, social media and, and things like that so share where you guys yeah. can be found we're on instagram it's av33 farm at um instagram and we have a website, av33farm.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Instagram's probably the best way mm-hmm. to really like follow us, and we're pretty responsive if people message us. And then I think also our emails on the website, which is av33farm at gmail.com, and so we're pretty responsive um, on the email as well. Yeah. And you take volunteers and all that like we do. Too, yeah, so. volunteers. Cool. Yeah. We have tour days and yeah. work parties nice. about once a month. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're trying to, you know, figure out how to have people kind of enjoy the farm more. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously also trying to find out where that time comes from. <laughs> if you find it, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you both again <laughs> for coming so here. And it was a really pleasure interviewing you. And thank you so much for being part of our CSA and being part of the farming community here in Los Angeles. And we really appreciate you doing what you're doing because it says it, it's, it's like a kindred spirit of, of farming chip, I guess you could say. It's really, really amazing. And really, yeah. and it's like I said, to know there's other out there, it's like, yeah, we're all doing this together. So yeah. thank you. Keep up the good work. And then hopefully you can come back and we'll talk again how you guys are growing. So yeah. Yeah. Right. And thank you. Thank you so much, I mean, for being such a kind of collaborative place to like you know welcoming us in and 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 trying to support us and it's been a huge um reason that we've had like the success that we've yeah. had i think so i met far. you open silo right so thanks mm-hmm. to jessica on yeah. that so yeah. shout out to her yeah. so uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll have another open silo event here at the homestead so all right so till, till next time uh keep on growing we'd love to hear your feedback or questions visit us at urbanhomestead.org to check out what's happening on the homestead. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And until next time, keep on growing.